Just a couple things, you guys, before I get into this message today. Uh, that is, the, if you didn't hear, because of all the music and the jitteriness, uh, on September 13th, there will be no service here because we're combining both campuses for one service, and that will be on the south side. You may remember in May, everybody from the south side came here. Well, in uh, September 13th, we are taking everybody there, and so we're going to have one church in one location, and then go right back uh, to two campuses on September 20th, which brings me to big news. I don't know if you heard it last week, but September 20th, we will not be in this building any longer, okay? Not Elihi Elementary School. Uh, it's a fresh season. It's a fresh time for this church, and we got uh, uh, Shahela uh, Middle School, which is right there, um, we, we're going to be meeting there on Sunday mornings for the north side. It's a better facility. It has a stage. The room is a lot better. We'll be able to expand our children's ministry. It is going to be a great time. So here's what we thought. Uh, after our Super Sunday, it's a new season for our church. It's a new time, a new era, new faith, new everything. So let's go ahead and let's start something fresh in a new building that we can expand in. And it's going to be a great time. So Shahala Middle School. And another great thing is that we will be able to market a little bit better because it's at the end of Mill Plain. How much easier is it to tell somebody how to get to our church? Get on Mill Plain, go to the end. It literally goes, if you keep driving Mill Plain, you drive into the parking lot of the school. So just get on Mill Plain, go to the end. I mean, that's pretty easy. And, you know, here, you know, if, have you guys ever noticed when we came here for the first time, you have to drive into the parking lot and then it's in the back of the parking lot and you're not really, and when Jennifer and I came the first time, we're like, okay, where do we go here? And it's going to be really easy. Come on, you guys. How many of you guys think something fresh, something new, something a little bit easier? It's going to be a great thing. And now here's the biggest news of all. Now, we've kind of leaked out this information, but you know what? So many people are gone today. You guys can feel like you got the inside scoop, okay? You can go call your friends who didn't come today and go, nah, nah, we know things that you don't know. Okay, and so, and that is this, is that with everything happening, you know, we've been uh, one church in two locations since May, okay? But we've had two different church names. We've had Portland Harvest Church, and we've had Family Bible Church. Well, Pastor Steve and I have come uh, over here, but how many of you guys know bringing the name Portland Harvest Church over to Camas doesn't work very well? You know, we're not going to become one church, two locations, and have the name Portland Harvest Church meeting in Camas. That doesn't make any sense. And so we decided, instead of asking one congregation to adopt the name of the other congregation, either way, we thought, hey, we're all in this together. We're moving to forward together. So we decided to come up with a brand new church name. So starting on Super Sunday at Sept on September 13th, we will no longer be Portland Harvest Church. We will no longer be Family Bible Church. We will have one church name and that name will be True Life Church. Okay. So let's just clap for True Life Church. Okay. In fact, I think, do we have that up there? There we go. We have the new logo done. Um, you can kind of see with, you know, stationery and business cards. We got the logo made. And it's so great to have a fresh identity. Instead of going, well, the Family Bible Church people or the Portland Harvest Church people, we're just going to be True Life people. And True Life Church, how many of you guys know that people don't need an alternative life? They don't need a different life. They don't need a secondary life. They just need a true life, right? They need to find true life, and that's what God offers them. So we're really excited about that. We got the logo done this week, and then we'll have a brand new website as well. Instead of phconline.org or 
familybiblechurch.net. We're going to have one website. It's not up yet, uh, so we will have that ready by September 13th. It will have the Sunday morning messages on this side. It will have the Sunday morning messages on the south side. It will have our Tuesday night youth messages, and it will have a brand new look with True Life, and that website will be uh, www.truelifechurch.tv, okay, TV at the end, not .org, .com, .net, .whatever, .tv. It's really easy to remember, truelifechurch.tv, because it's different, and our logo's a little different. Everything about us, and Pastor Steve would agree with this, we're just a little different, you know, and that's okay. So now you guys know. You guys know the inside scoop, and uh, you can go call the Whitmans and the Robinsons and uh, the Estradas, and you can go call these people and go, ha, ha, ha. You know, uh, we know things that you don't know, and that's always what happens when you show up to church in the summer. You get to be on the inside scoop. Uh, speaking of the Estradas, everybody, we went to uh, Priscilla's Quintillera last, uh, yesterday afternoon. Do you like my Spanish? I mean, I've got the accent. People think I'm Mexican. I say, no, I just got a really good accent. The Quintillera, you know, ruffles have ridges. Okay, so, um, so we went to that yesterday, and it was awesome. Priscilla, I, I, I thought she must be turning 21 or something. I mean, she was dressed in like this wedding dress, but it wasn't. It was a Quintillera. Huh? Uh, come on. Uh, dress. And she was just beautiful. And uh, many of you were there. In fact, uh, Pastor Bob Isabel was there and I got to say hi to him. It was great seeing him. And so uh, we were we were having so much fun uh, yesterday, meeting up with people, seeing people, uh, getting introduced to people that uh, I haven't met yet, but have been in your guys's lives for a long time and uh, and and doing all those types of things. And so it was great seeing them. Uh, just to let you know, also, Pastor Bob has written a letter to you guys because he has accepted a position at another church. And that won't end relationships, but it will mean that on Sundays he will be uh, uh, working with the church that needs him, his prophetic gift, all those types of things. It's just a really short letter. But you know, Pastor Bob, it's a good one. So I'm going to read this to you, and this just kind of explains everything. He says, Dear Family Bible Church, my wife and I accepted a staff position in another church while praying about our financial financial needs and the need to generate an income, the Lord has opened the door for us to accept accept a staff position while we are building the traveling ministry, which is great. This was a difficult decision, as you can imagine, since we have so many friends and family there at the church. It has been our privilege to pastor you and to know you for so many years. We pray for you and the continued success of the church. Thank you for allowing us to be your pastors, your friends, and your servants for all those years. And thank you for praying for my wife and I as we continue to follow the Lord. You will forever be in our hearts and our prayers. We love you, Pastor Bob and Jane. And really, you guys, this was an answer to prayer. They needed a door to open, and a door opened, and we are really rejoicing with them. Again, the relationship doesn't end, but he's going to be working there as he really uh, has... has biggest desire for both himself and his wife Jane is that they can really travel prophetically because how many of you guys know we uh we've had a prophet in the house right and and pastor Bob's going through this and and uh really wants to work in his gifts so this door is open we're excited about that and so um that's that but we got to see them yesterday at the Quintinera and uh it was wonderful uh Come on, I got it, don't I? Come on, you guys. Why are you guys laughing at me? You guys should be like, oh, yeah, he's got it perfect. That's amazing. But anyways, okay. Uh, hey, you guys, it's uh, 24, wait a second, 
20, yeah, 28 after. We're going to get into the Word today. I'm going to preach a shorter message uh, to you, but I believe, I mean, that's, that is kind of hilarious. Zach laughed when I said shorter message. But, um, but I do believe that on this uh, uh, sunny, well, not sunny, it will be, it's going to be 83 degrees, but on this last really summer Sunday, I believe that God has a Word for you. How many of you, I don't have to convince you, God's already started to stir hearts in this house today. I don't have to try and, you know, spin it in a certain way. We know that. We could feel it during the, the worship. And I believe that God's given me a word. I'm going to also be speaking next Sunday. So I have back-to-back. So um, if you have Pastor Steve withdrawals or anything, uh, you can go online and listen to his messages. But you get me for two weeks. And, uh, and I have a kind of an interesting title, I think, for this message. And it's called this, Couches for Sale. Okay, I'm going to preach for two weeks on selling your couch. How many of you guys go on Craigslist? Has anybody here sold anything on Craigslist? Does anybody not know what Craigslist is? Anybody just go, um, is that a guy named Craig with his to-do list? No, uh, uh, Craigslist is where you can go and sell things. And I'm going to do this uh, series called Couches for Sale. And just because um, uh, I, this is the title for two weeks, I just want you guys to know, in case uh, you are wanting to buy a couch, even though we want you to sell your couch, and I'll get into that in just a moment, there are currently 893 couches for sale in the Portland, Vancouver area on Craigslist. And so my goal, uh, you know, if you want a, a couch, there's 893 to choose from as of last night. But here's my goal. My goal uh, with my little spin here is that we would add a couple hundred couches for sale by the end of the two weeks. And I'm not talking about literal couches. I'm talking about being a spiritual couch potato, okay? We want to sell our couch, and we have uh, the little subtitle there, saying goodbye, selling, saying goodbye forever to couch potato Christianity. Let me tell you, friends, I'm kind of fired up. This is how I preach. I kind of move left and right, kind of get a few jabs in there. But listen, it's because something is inside of me that at this season of our church, even if so many people are gone, in this season of our church, we cannot afford couch potato Christianity. We cannot afford to sit back, fold our arms, click the channel, just listen to the sermons, listen to what's going on, and stay seated in a couch potato mentality. We've got to get couches for sale. We need to say, listen, I don't care if it's trendy, cool, pottery barn or not, our couches are going to go. Spiritually, we're going to get off the couch, we're going to get the potato chips out of our grasp, we're going to get the, we're going to pry the remote control, the, the little Christian remote control off of our hands, and we're going to get up and we're going to move because this is a season of movement. This is a season not to go, well, let's see. Now, I've got to be honest with you. Since May, since this whole thing happened officially, it kind of has been that season because everyone's trying to figure out what's going on. They're like, okay, now this is here in two locations, but there they go really fast out the door, and what's going on? I don't know these people, and how is this? And we've been kind of going, how does this work? You know, we've kind of been, and I'm not saying this negatively, it's kind of natural if you don't know what's going on to sit down and kind of capture it all in. And I'm here to tell you that although that has been the season, you know, the summer we're coming up with all this stuff and going, I'm here to tell you, friends, that it is time to put our couches up for sale. 
I'm here to tell you that God is wanting us not to turn back, but, for God, but God wants us to really get in our hearts what it means to get off the couch. Now, here's, here's the premise of my message today. The premise of my message today is that you'll never get off the couch unless, until you have somewhere to go. Does that make sense? Did you capture that? You'll never get off the couch unless you have somewhere to go. You'll never, you know, you won't turn off the Seahawk game like last night where they once again won again. They probably won't even lose this year. I got so bored with their winning. I'm like, ho-hum, just another Seahawks win. And everyone's like, it's the preseason. But that's okay. I'm, I'm sitting on my couch and I'm enjoying. I didn't, you know, I think the Seahawks only won three times all last year, so I'm going to have to even take the preseason wins. But I'll never get off the couch. I'll never put down the remote control. I'll never get the chips out of my grasp until I have something or somewhere to go. And quite frankly, in our spiritual life, if we don't really have vision, if we don't have a dream, if you're not dreaming, guess what? There's no real reason to get up. There's no real reason. I mean, what are we going to do if we have nowhere to go? We get off our couch. Let's, let's, I'm kind of visual, right? I get bored, you know, hearing myself preach, so I have to keep myself entertained. So, so let's just pretend this is our couch and we're laying on our couch. If we have nowhere to go, I mean, what do we do? Do we just get up and we're like, I mean, why not just stay seated? You're not doing anything different. You're still in the same room. You're still kind of in the same environment. Nothing's really happening. You got up, but you didn't go anywhere. And I'm here to tell you that if you were really, I mean, no one would do that. I would not continue to watch the Seahawks game out of my couch, sell my couch, and then just continue to stand there. That makes no sense. I might as well have a couch. And so if we are really actually going to get rid of spiritual couch potato living, couch potato Christianity, we've got to have a reason to get up. We've got to have a reason to get up and say, I'm going this direction. I'm headed here now. Because then when we have purpose, we're like, why have I been here in the first place? And you know what I believe God's doing? God's going to get us out of the couch and He's going to rebirth purpose in our lives. And this is where I want you to understand. In two weeks, when Pastor Steve preaches at our Super Sunday, he's going to release vision. And he's going to be talking about the vision that we're headed in a direction. But you know what? I've got to be honest with you. God wants to give you your vision. God wants to release a dream inside of you. Not contrary to the vision of the church. I'm not talking about that. But here's what happens is that so often if we had people come up on the microphone and say, what dream has God birthed in you? Many people would remain silent. If I asked all of you to single file, walk up and say, the dream that God's given me it would be one of two things most likely. You would either go, I'm not really sure. Or you would talk about an ethereal dream that's way down the road or some kind of poofy magical dream that's out there like i have a dream for god to save the city okay how does that work i don't know that's just my dream and so what god wants to do is god wants to give you a dream he wants this local church to be a house of dreamers where faith arises and you say god's given me a purpose i'm getting off of my couch potato christianity couch and i'm going in a direction because god's done something in me listen we're going to go a direction as a church but can i tell you it is so much easier as pastors to take a church that is already full of dreams in a direction than people that don't have a dream or have a care in the world People that are just couch potato Christians, they're just like, okay, I guess we're just going to listen to the new vision series. Well, no, God wants to rebirth dreams in you.
You had dreams as a child, didn't you? I mean, do you, can you think back of when you sat on Santa Claus's lap and he's like, what do you want to be when you grow up, little boy? And you're like, you scare me, but I want to be a you know, policeman or something. You know, We all had dreams, but as we get older, life kind of settles in and we're like, okay, let's listen to the teenagers. But that's not God. God is a dream giver. And we're going to look here in Numbers, the book of Numbers, and we're going to look at what God did in some people who refused to turn back at the Valley of Eshcol. And I want you guys to understand this. Go ahead and turn there if you want in, in the book of Numbers. Uh, we're going to be looking, Numbers chapter 32, and I'm going to be reading from the beginning of Numbers chapter 32. But as I get into this, I want you guys to know, uh, I, I, I want to draw a parallel here with Jesus. And even though Jesus was never on a couch, and I would never, it would be blasphemous to call Jesus some kind of couch potato. That's not the illustration I'm using. He was never a couch potato, and he was never on a couch, but this is what I want you to understand. He still was willing to leave the realm that he was in, in glorious heaven, to serve a purpose and a dream that he had for us, for all mankind. He was willing to say, I'm leaving this realm, glorious, wonderful, majestic heaven. And he says, I'm leaving this realm because I have purpose. Because how many of you know that God had a dream? God had a dream that all men, all women would be saved. And he left and he said, I've got a dream. I've got a vision. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved. His vision was us. So he left one realm in order to fulfill a purpose. And God wants you to leave one realm to move into the next realm to accomplish a purpose. And you can't do that by saying, how many of you guys know that blood, now you've got to understand this, if you know theology, blood had to be spilt for our sins. Jesus could not save us from heaven. He had to come. There had to be a sacrifice. And He was the perfect sacrifice. And just so you know, you cannot stay in your realm if you want to accomplish a dream that exists in another realm. Does that make sense? You cannot go, well, that's fine. But I have dreams, but I'm going to stay here. Friends, it's time to dream again. I just want to, Claudio, Gil, I know that you think I have a great Mexican accent and everything. But listen, beyond all that stuff, God wants to give you a dream. Not just this uh, uh, big kind of out there dream, like some specifics. The Claudio family. I'm here to tell you, you know, Aaron, you're back, homie. It's good to see you. God's going to do great things in your life. But God doesn't want us to just sit back and just kind of believe in God. God wants to give you a dream, a purpose. God wants you to be focused. He wants you to get up in bed for a reason not because it's the next day, not because you go to school or have a job, but because something is birthed inside of you that you say, God, I'm calling out for you. I need you. I'm desperate for you because this dream is, will never happen unless you come into my life, but I'm here to move. That's, that's life. If I'm allowed to play a spin on our new name, that's true life. That's it. Not just existing, not just, well, we come to church and we worship God because we're supposed to. You'll never get off the couch because you have a belief system. There's many couch potato Christians that believe in Jesus, believe He's the Savior of the world, believe that God wants everyone to be saved. It's a belief system, but it's not a dream. It's, they're not full of faith. You'll never get off the couch because you believe something. You will get off the couch because you have purpose, destiny, and direction. And I want to tell you guys that it is time for once again in your life for you to say, God, give me a dream. I, I'm ready for a new season. Not just as a church, not changing the church name. Just say, I'm ready for a new season. God wants to do this. 
for you. Numbers chapter 32, beginning in verse 1. Now the people of Reuben and the people of Gad had a very great number of livestock. And they saw the land Jazer and, and the land of Gilead, and behold, the place was a place for livestock. So the people of Gad and the people of Reuben came and said to Moses, Moses, and to Eleazar the priest, and to the chiefs of the congregation, Adaroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elielah, Seban, Nebo, and Beon, the, the land that the Lord struck down before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. And they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants for possession. Now listen to what they said. Do not take us across the Jordan. Verse 6. But Moses said to the people of Gad and to the people of Reuben, shall your brothers go to war while you sit here? Why will you discourage the hearts of the people of of Israel from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? Your fathers did this when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eshkol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the people of Israel from going into the land that the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled on that day, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men who came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. None except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. So that's a lot of verses here. Let me unpack it for you. It was time for them for, it was a season, okay? Everyone say season. Okay, it was a season for them to go from wandering to possession. It was a season, if you will, to go from the couch to a movement of possession. It was a season for these people to go, okay, some bad things have happened, we're not sure, or, or, and then say, okay, God has now provided a way to possess the land. And a group of people said, hey, just to let you know, we're livestock people, Okay, you follow me on this? They were, they were farmers or they were, they were herdsmen or cow people, you know, whatever you call those people. I don't know. We live in the city. I, I don't know this farm stuff. But cattlemen, there we go. Thanks. Okay, so they were, they were cattlemen and they looked around and they, lo- and they said, this is a good place for cattle. And so they went up to Moses and said, hey, I know that there's something beautiful, majestic, purpose-driven, absolutely designed by God for us to possess, but this will do. That's basically what they said. They said, I know that there's vision. I know that God's prepared a place for us. I know, but we're kind of cattle people. And this is kind of a place for cattle. So uh, don't take us with you. We want to just kick it here. We just want to have our place here. And Moses looked at them. And I want to tell you, you want to hear rebuke. That's a rebuke because he said, are you trying to tell me? That while God has prepared a place for us to go, a dream, a vision, full of faith for us to go, you want us to take faith and to take the, the promises of God, and you want us to go to war with those faith for, for those things and possess those things while you sit on your couch and watch. And he said, wrongo, that's not going to happen. He said, this is a time for you to go to war. This is a time for you to get up off your couch and claim the rightful promises that God gave you 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. You know what's great? Is that God revived dreams that died 40 years 
earlier. Can I prophetically say something to you right now? Some of you have had dreams that have died 40 years ago that God wants to revive. This is not a teenage message, friends. This is a message for God's people to revive the dream that he's given them. And they wandered in the wilderness and they had to reap some consequences. And they, but there was a season, there was a time to move from the couch into possession of the dreams that God had given them. And I want to say to this church that there is a season that we are behold, right in front of. There is a season that we are going into that you cannot look around and go, well, you can go ahead and be true life. You can go ahead and do the two one church, two locations thing. But we're just kind of uh, happy where we're at. We're just kind of happy getting a word and, and meeting with our friends. You go ahead and you have faith. You go ahead and you cross the Jordan. You go ahead and go into the promises that, watch this, God predestined and ordained. You go ahead and do that. But we're cattle people and we're just going to kick it. God bless you. We're for you, but we're not going to go with you. And Moses turned to them and looked at them and said, are you kidding me? That is not the destiny of this generation. That is not the destiny of this season. This is not the destiny of your family. Yes, there might have been a season. Yes, you may have wandered, but God's purposes never die. His calling is without repentance. There is something that God has destined for this house, whether you call it family Bible, church, whether you call it the north side, whether you call it true life, there's something that God has gathered you for, and there have been trials, there have been tribulation, but God says, I am greater than all of those things, and I will take you across the Jordan, I will make the walls come down, and you will inherit the promises that I've called you to have. That's what God has for you. That's what God has. Now listen, but God wants you to have a, a vision. God wants there to be a dream inside of you. And as we dream under the authority of God, under the authority of leaders that God has placed over us, we have the permission to dream. There are some churches that are so locked down, they're like, don't dream, just do what we say. And let me tell you, friends, that's not God. Listen, God has a covering of protection. Have you guys ever seen this illustration? Umbrella, okay? Rain. You guys, I mean, I know in this, okay, I don't have to, I don't understand. We never have rain. Okay, you understand that, right? Umbrella, rain. Think of rain as everything destructive that the enemy wants for you. Fiery darts of the enemy, the Bible says. Think of rain as destruction. That umbrella is your covering. How many of you guys know, come on, the, the umbrella protects you from the rain. That covering that protection is god ordained authority that as we stay under that covering we are protected from the works of the enemy and as we stay under that covering we are free to love god and to serve in his kingdom the bible says that god will give us the desires of our heart god wants to give you a dream as you watch this as you stay under the covering of God-ordained authority. And some people are like, I don't like that. I want to go do my own thing. God's giving me a dream. And this dream, I'm going to do it. You guys just watch. And you get out from that umbrella, and you try and serve God in your dream outside that umbrella, and you will crash and burn so fast you'll never know what happened to you. You'll come up with some kind of creative thing. Oh, well, you know, yeah, the reason why I'm all soaking wet is because the umbrella didn't work very well and, and it was smaller than I thought it should be. No, no, no. You got out from under that umbrella thinking you could do your own thing with your own dreams and you're crashing and burning pretty fast. Can I be honest with you? I've been, I've been under Pastor Steve 
for 11 years. And every single year, I've said, God, are you sure I'm supposed to be under Pastor Steve? I've, I've gone, I don't know, God, am I supposed to be here? Uh, okay, how does this work? What, what's my place? What are you doing in me? What's my dream for my life? And, is, and you know what God has done over these years, even the good times, the bad times, the freaky times, you know what God has said? He says, I will keep you safe as long as you stay undercover. You stay undercover. I know you don't understand everything. I know, but there is something that I'm doing in you that cannot be done if you try and get outside the authority. And so I've stayed, and I've been I've been faithful, and I have not been perfect, and I have not done uh, great things all the time. But one thing I have done is I've stayed. I've stayed under that covering, and God has blessed me. God has done things for my family and for me that should not have been done to a church of our size and a youth ministry of our size. I've been able to go to Australia and be a part of conferences. I've been invited to speak at places no one should be, no, no, Brian Becker should be allowed to speak at. And, 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 and you know, I, I look back and go, how does that work? And God says, because you're undercover. But God is allowing me to dream while I'm undercover. And God wants to give you a dream, maybe for your neighborhood, maybe for your family, maybe for your workplace. Maybe it's a financial dream. Maybe it's something to reach people and see certain broken people uh, 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 healed. And you know what? Really, whatever's happened to you in your life, whatever tragedy has happened in your life, do you know that God wants you to not hold on to these wounds and live as a wounded person? How many of you know that hurt people hurt people? Have you ever noticed that? Hurt people hurt people. And God doesn't want you to have these hurts and pains and try and live your life and be kind of a snappy Christian that's just kind of got stuff going on. God wants you to take those hurts, lay them down at the cross, and then God says, now I can use those experiences, those pains, and those tragedies to heal and reach and minister to those other people. You want to know what dream you should have for people? The very tragedies that you went through. God allowed you to go through tragedy, not so that you could live in pain, but so that you could reach out and heal and minister and have a dream. Uh, you guys heard Chrissy. In fact, was she, she was here, wasn't she? Uh, maybe playing the bass or something? I can't remember where everybody goes. But Chrissy was here and she, oh, she, oh bongos, right. I got you. Dong, dong, dong. Um, but she was here and you guys heard her story, right, of, of what God has done in her life. And now she weeps at the sight of broken girls. And she doesn't just weep on her couch. She is off the couch reaching out to any person that she can. God wants to give you a dream like he gave Chrissy a dream. What's your dream? You see, it says here in Numbers 32 that they got as far as the valley of Eshkol, talking about the previous generation. And I think that's where many dreams die. It's the place where we lose heart or lose sight or lose focus. That is as far as the spies got. The promise was about to be fulfilled. It was at their fingertips, but instead they let it slip through their hands. The previous generation got to the Valley of Eshkol, and then life happened. They saw giants. They saw overwhelming odds, and they got to the Valley of Eshkol. Maybe you got to the Valley of Eshkol in your life, and your dream died. The Valley of Eshkol is the place where we stop trying or stop believing. It is the place where we turn back. It is the place where we get back on the couch. It is the place where we go, I had a dream, but life happened. I'm back on the couch. I had a dream, but then people failed me, and I'm back on the couch. I have a dream, but then I made bad decisions, and I fell into sin, and I'm back on my couch. I had a dream, but it seemed to be 
too overwhelming. And now I'm back on my couch. They got to the Valley of Eshkol. The dream was at their fingertips. And they lost sight of the one who's the dream maker and the dream fulfiller. See, you're not the fulfiller of the dream. God is. But God's looking for people that say, I'll get off my couch. I'll let God give me a vision again for my city, for my neighborhood, for, my, for, for the people around me. The Valley of Eshkol is the place where sometimes we stop trying or stop believing. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Turning your back on a God-given dream is turning your back on God himself. Turning your back on a God-given dream is turning your back on God himself. You see, here's what you need to understand is that you need to keep going after that dream. Why? Not so that we can be successful. See, this is what God had to tweak in my mind. I thought, God, I want to reach the city. I see thousands of students that are saved and worshiping you. And, 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 but I've got to be honest with you. One of the reasons why I had that dream is because I wanted to accomplish something for God. But God's not really interested in our accomplishments. Do you know what a dream does? God wants you to dream not so that you can be full of accomplishments, but God wants you to dream so that you stay absolutely dependent on him for your life. You see, if I have a dream for thousands of teenagers, guess what? I got to get on my knees and I got to cry out to my creator and the dream fulfiller. Uh, See, God, if we don't have a dream, we don't need God. You don't need, now I I might step on a few toes here, but I I don't think so. I think you're going to agree with me on this. You don't really need God to live the normal life. I mean, you're waking up, you're going to work, you've got your belief system, you go to church, you believe in God, you have a lifestyle. Okay. And I'm not getting into like the total totality of grace and all that, and but I'm just saying it. You don't have to cry out for God to live your life. Does that make sense? I mean, more or less. But if you have a dream that's a dream that's impossible, if you have a dream, Claudio's to take that whole section and move it all the way to the back because you have a dream that people are not going to go to hell on your watch. You can't just like live your life and see that happen. You've got to depend on God and say, God, come, come come. Rescue, rescue. I need you. I need you. There's no way, Lord, that anything I could say could ever turn the hearts of men to you. They're so lost. They're so broken. They're so carnal. They have no thoughts about you. But God, you are the miracle maker. You can bring this dream to pass. Lord, you can do great things through me. And I need you. I need you. I need you. But if you don't have that dream, you don't need to pray that prayer. If you don't have that dream, you're just going to work, doing your thing, paying your bills. But when you get a dream, you get a dependency on God like never before. God loves giving dreams because God loves us to depend on Him. And you will never, ever, ever cry out like that with a couch. It's time to put our couches on Craigslist. It's time to increase the 893 couches on Craigslist. We need a spiritual section and say we are selling our spiritual couches. May faith arise in your heart. You need to keep going after that dream. Why? So that we can glorify God. 
I have written down here, you need to go after that God-sized dream because it is the thing that will keep you on your knees living in raw dependence upon God. That is how we grow and that is how we glorify God. For those of you that have found yourself without a dream for one reason or another, dreams are taken from us because people do things to us. Dreams are taken from us because we do things to ourselves. Lots of different reasons that uh, the devil can try and use to steal a dream. But for one reason or another, if you find yourself without a dream, if you find yourself, if you were to get up on this mic, could something absolutely, you don't have to be like me running around doing things, but could something in your spirit come out that's focused, that's laser-like, that says, I have a dream that God's put in me. And could it be accomplished in the month of September? See, God wants to give you a dream that's for now, not this ethereal dream. I just have a dream that God's love would cover the planet. Okay, that's great. I think God, how many of you would agree? God's love needs to cover the planet. But what's God's dream for you to bring the love to the planet? You see, God will never give you a dream that doesn't involve you fulfilling it. That was good right there. That needed an amen. God will never give you a dream that he doesn't intend you to fulfill. We've got lots of preachers, lots of people that have been in church that could come up here and go, I've got dreams because this society is so broken and lost and it's going to hell and, and it's, things are getting darker and worse and I've just got a dream that we would see God's light shine, but then they never take that dream and apply it to themselves as the one to bring light. You see, here's I want, I want, I got to end, but I want, I want you to understand this. God wants to give you a dream that is very specific. A dream that is so specific that you can picture yourself fulfilling that dream in the short term. Now, it's a whole other message, a whole other time to talk about dreams that can't be fulfilled in the short term. There are long-term dreams that God will bring to pass in later years. But we have too many couch potato Christians chanting and, and speaking and proclaiming these long, faraway visions and dreams while there is a dream to get them off the couch today. We have people sitting down talking about what God's going to do in the last days and, and this and that and blah, 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 and someday this. But what is God's dream for you? If you don't get anything else today, get this right now. What is God's dream for you to fulfill in the month of September? You should be able to write it out. The Bible says, write out the vision so that those who see it may run with it. You need to be able, if, I know, I know you're adults and you don't like, you know, homework assignments. You're like, I did that. Okay, I know, but maybe, maybe, maybe since this could change your life forever, you might listen to this one. This week, say, God, give me a dream. Give me a dream for the month of September. Give me a dream that will get, off, that will get me off my couch today. And it begins with Repentance. That's what we talked about. That's why I wanted to pastor you through that. Because you're not like, oh, I'm not serving you. I'm not undercover. I'm full of unforgiveness. But I'm going to go do this anyways because we're dreaming now. No, you take care of what's inside of you. You bring it to God on your knees and say, God, if I'm going to reach hundreds of people, you've got to deal with me. I'm laying this down at the cross. I'm asking. Here's a great thing that you need to know. God can work in you and through you at the same time. Some of you feel inadequate to fulfill the dream that God's given you because you're like, oh man, 
Pastor Brian, I just memorized John 3.16, and I kind of get that one mixed up. I'm not ready to be a dream fulfiller. Listen, oh, man, I wish I had more time. But God will work in you at the same time that he's working through you. You don't need to go to the ER triage unit and stay there for the next year until God can use you. God uses broken people who are humbling themselves before him, and that's all he needs. Humility is the ingredient for dreams to be fulfilled. God, I can't do it. I'm broken. I've been so hurt. I'm here. I don't know. I don't want to be a hurting person that hurts people. I need you. So, God, I'm accepting your grace for today, and I'm going to do something for the kingdom today. Does that make sense? That's what God wants for you. Write out a vision in the next two weeks. How about this? How about Pastor Steve comes back for Super Sunday, September 13th, and he finds a congregation of dreamers. He finds a congregation of people that are saying, you know what, we're not perfect. We've got issues. There's things going on, but we're laying those things down at the cross. I've got a fresh dream that I haven't had for 40 years. I'm going to see my neighbor say, can I tell you one of my dreams? My dream is for my neighbor, Andrew, to get saved. I think they're Jehovah Witnesses. I think his wife is. I think that he could care less because he's always dropping F-bombs and everything else to me. Uh, But I'm going to bring him over to my house, and we're going to watch football, and I'm going to put my arm around, and I'm going to talk to him. He knows I'm a youth pastor now, and he He's open to that, and he's asking me questions. I have a dream. Listen, I am not, listen, ooh, I've got to end, but man, preachers like to preach, don't they? Here's the deal, you guys. Here's the deal. I have a dream. Listen, 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 listen. Okay, this is going to, I'm going to end with this and, and, and pick up next week so that I don't go too long. But listen, listen, what if the only dream all of us had, the only dream, I mean, think of, Think of the magnitude of kingdom uh, 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 advancement. If this was our only dream, that one person will come to know Jesus, be baptized, and be plugged into the local church through me, by God's grace and God's power, but by using me. One person this year. And you, you, you start praying, God, I will not be a Christian, a little couch potato Christian that shows up to church, knows about the grace of God, knows that people are broken and hurting, but for some reason I've been in church for 20 years and no one's gotten saved under my watch. God, this year I'm going to tell someone and someone is going to find out that you love everyone and that all people can be saved and that they're going to understand and get that revelation. You might have to talk to 100 people to get one, but you're going to get one. What is it? I mean, that, you don't really need to pray about that, do you? You don't need to go, well, I'll see if that's what God's vision is for me. I think I might be the one that shouldn't witness to anybody this year. No, but what if we got in this? And this is what I'm going to preach on next week. What if everyone, everyone here said, this year I will lead someone to Christ? Not witness. I mean, we can witness the 10 people, but they don't get saved. That's great. But we stand on it. We say, God, I'm going to witness. I'm going to tell people, bring people. I'm going to get on my knees. And listen, you say, well, that's not a very miraculous dream. Then why hasn't it happened in 20 years in your life? It's miraculous if it happened through every single person in this house. And you want to be, can I be honest with you? A little transparent. Mr. Pastor here, Mr. Youth Pastor, Mr. Cartwheel Guy. I don't think I've led someone specifically to the Lord in years. Now, I have through ministry, I have through, through all different things, but I haven't talked to my neighbor and said, hey, man, let's, let's build a relationship. And I've decided that's not okay. 
that is not okay for me to preach and blah, yeah, and, and oh, that's so awesome. Look at all these kids getting saved. And me to somehow think that because I'm a pastor, it's other people's job to witness. That's garbage. And I've decided, God, one of my dreams, undercover, how many of you guys know that's not contrary to the authority? Sorry, pastor, but I'm going to witness to people this year. You know, he's not going to have a problem. Our authority, Pastor Dick, Pastor Steve, all these people that we're under authority to, uh, that's undercover. And so I said, God, I am not going to be a Christian that year after year preaches, sees things happen, believes for great things, but never personally can say, see this guy next to me? He got saved because I took a risk, because I launched out and believed God for something get you a dream. Beg God for a dream. And your homework this week is to get on your knees and to create a faith environment. Maybe you need to turn your, uh, like we tell our students, turn your bedroom into a Bible college. You know, turn off the television, turn on the worship music, and just sit down and say, God, I'm not going to get up until you give me a dream. Or you say, God, I've got to be at work in an hour, but I'll spend this hour with you. Or God, I've got to be at work in 10 minutes, but I'm going to stop I'm going to sit down and I'm going to sit here and say, Lord, what dream do you have for my life? What dream do you have for my family? Men, can I just tell you something? We need some husbands, some head of the household men to dream for their families and to state it. Not be some wussy little backboneless man that's all letting the wife be the spiritual, but I'm just the guy that just, no, guys need to dream. In, in the last days, your old men will dream dreams. And we need to get a dream for our families. What, women, you are absolutely, that's not like a man only thing. We all need to dream. The problem is, is that you're already dreaming. We need to get the guys on track as well. But you need to dream. Men, women, this week, will you sit down? Will you create a space, an environment? Say, God, I've got 10 minutes. And I, I'm sorry that I only have 10 minutes, but I've got 10 minutes and then I've got to go to work or else I'll get fired and I've got to provide for my family. So after work or tomorrow, I'm going to give you another 10 minutes or 30 minutes. And this week, what if we all spent this week preparing and we're getting off of our couch because God is giving us, remember, you never get off the couch until you have a place to go. And that dream is the beginning of understanding what that is. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I love you and we love you. And God, we do not want to just sit idly by and just kind of rah-rah a younger generation or, or other people into the promised land. We don't want to stop at the Valley of Eshkol, Lord. I know that you want to rebirth dreams that have died, rebirth dreams that have been gone for maybe 40 years, 20 years, five years, one year, Lord. I believe that you are rebirthing dreams in every person here. And I pray, Lord, that miracles would happen this week as people... People get out of the mundane, out of the chaos of life. And Lord, they fix their eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And God, that you would release dreams to this local church, to us, Lord. I pray that you would put a passion in every one of us to lead someone to Christ this year. That we would be unsatisfied seeing others come to Christ without actively being involved in the ministry of telling people about, about you. And so God, this week, Release it to the point where people can write it down for the month of September. Make it so specific that it's something that brings them to their knees that they pray over. Lord, I pray that we would be contending, start contending even now for the things that you have for us, I pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen.
I'm never here at this time, so I'm not really sure what happens now. But we don't have a band. Angel, do you usually play or something? Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to dismiss you guys, okay? And, uh, and uh, um, uh, yeah, have a great day, everybody. We'll see you. I'm going to run to the south side and do this all over again. God bless you. We'll put on some music maybe. And uh, make sure you don't run out of here. Go hug somebody. Go out to lunch with somebody and talk about dreams. Do something fun while I'm preaching on the south side.